I decided for some unknown reason that I needed to look at my flights because I'm just a few hours away from getting on a flight to SAC. Got to go to SAC, Ramento, yeah. and then drive up to Reading to work a tournament. It's going to so, be Jay, so nice good... up there. It's going to be great up there right now. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, 70s or something like that. Wow. Um, That's great. So I... Yeah, oh, I have eight hours of travel. Yay, me. Yeah. Okay. Now that do? Jake, now that Jake Lewis is talking shit to us, you got plenty Dude. of time. You better, you better dominate that. He is on it, isn't he, Jake Lewis? Yep. Yeah. So we, you guys have heard us talk about um, Mad Skills Motocross, and we're still stuck on two because Bobier won't get off of two, so we're stuck on two. Jake Lewis back on it, and he's smoking everybody, including yeah, he's fast. Bobier. Yeah. So, I've I mean, closed it down. Like I'm like seconds I'm, on you. Yeah, but he but he's only point seven on me on the first. I've only just started to play. On the first one? First one. I'm not that I'm only like point seven or something off him. Oh yeah, point eight. Yeah, I'm like two off. That's fine. I'll get I'll get on a plane today. Have fun. Welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Wanna welcome all of our new listeners. Podcast will be going gangbusters. Appreciate you checking us out. Um Go check out Alex Asante, bike911.com. Tell him Jason Pridmore sent you because Jason Pridmore is the guy on this week's podcast. We're going to talk MotoGP and all the stuff that's surrounding that. The the never short on drama MotoGP. And uh, we're going to talk about like, Supercross because championships all wrapped up, JP. I know. Oldest Supercross champ ever. Love it for the premier class. Uh, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. And uh, you can check out my YouTube channel, Greg's Garage TV. It's kind of a theme. All right, Jason. Let's catch up a little bit. What has been going on with you? How are things? (laughs) Well, you know how things are. So things have been a bit rough, but it is what it is. You know, basically the winter and fall, I work all, all fall winter so that my summer can be amazing. And right now it has started not amazing. So there's a lot of people out there worse off than me, G-Dub. But yeah, I got I got to get an MRI on my wrist today. I think I might have a small fracture. Well, basically, I, I have a small fracture in my ankle. Um, all stemming from my accident a few weeks ago. So I'm just really bummed about it. Went and got x-rays on Friday. So I had, had two broken fingers that have just kind of been healing. And then... Um, is the middle one broken? That one right no, there? That, that, that one there? That, broken? that one that you're showing yeah. me right now? No, it's... Right. I can right. still use it. So, oh, you sure can. Look, it looks yeah, good. Yeah, I can use it. Okay. it. looks good, doesn't it? It's straight. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so fingers are broke, and then I've got an abnormality in my wrist. And I mean, really, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? So of originally, when it when it happened, I thought I just jammed my wrist or something, but it's just not getting better. So there's something wrong with my wrist. And uh, and then, my, of course, of course, my bad ankle that, that was starting to get better uh, is compromised again. So... MRIs today, um, just bummed. It's really weird, you know. It's very rare to, that you just continue to get worse. And you know, I get I went to Atlanta and I didn't do a lot of walking. That's why I didn't go down to the paddock much. I went down there I think Saturday morning, walked around a little bit because it felt okay, but it just keeps getting worse, and I'm not sure why. And I've got all my all the all my big qualifiers and stuff, you know, for the year for me are are kind of happening this month. There's a couple later in the year, but. Um, big golf qualifiers. I'm just not going to get to do them, which kind of bums me out. You get one shot a year to do them. So that's where I'm at. Mm. So I sat at home all weekend. I've been home all... I've not been doing anything. I've just been trying to rest. 
and um, and just kind of get better. That's it for me. Just uh, just kind well, of a good. Bummer. We'll get some in depth analysis of MotoGP from you then, because you got to watch every frame of every race. I did practice. I did. Yeah, I watched it all this weekend, and you know, you talked about Tomac winning the championship. I thought that was cool. Kind of makes me think. I was gonna I was gonna ask you this when you mentioned it just now. You said he had a problem with his ACL. He, he did something to his ACL in Atlanta and during uh, during the heat race, and that's why the last couple of weeks he's been a little bit off pace. But it almost seemed like you said something last week about you think he wants to wrap the championship up in Colorado. It almost seemed like that, two, you know, two weeks ago because he was like yeah. running fifth, then he went straight back to seventh. And but he got it done this week. It's kind of it was great. I, it's I don't know about you. Did you get to watch any of it? I didn't get to watch any any Supercross at all. No. The the tracking the tracks in Colorado and even Salt Lake City, the dirt always seems so shitty at those places. And they were mm. commenting on the the dirt in uh, in Denver. They're like, maybe it's time to bring in some new dirt because they just store that dirt, don't they? Each year they store it and they bring as it. As far back as I out. know, they do. Yeah, that's yep. what that's you know you hear the guys they find on a place to store it, put a tarp on it. Yeah, yeah, they sift the rocks and they do all this and that. So. But anyways, yeah. So I watched watched that this week, and um, MotoGP just always entertaining, always always fun to watch, right? Well, yeah, it's fun to watch. But speaking of that, why don't we just roll right into Arai news because Let's we do got it. some MotoGP stuff to yeah. talk about. Um, all right, so I guess I'll do a little intro there. It's time for your deals presented by Arai. Hey, did you know the antimicrobials are in the liners? What I didn't do was clip off the Johnny Ray thing, and that is sad, okay? So I'm just gonna do this. Okay. Go get yourself an Arai helmet. Go to AraiAmericas.com, take a look. They got new paint jobs rolling out. They're top-notch helmets, got a lot of ventilation, great safety, open area for the eyes. So if you're the type of person who gets onto the track and you get to, into a tuck, especially at Daytona, you gotta see more. Liners yeah, are Yeah, because everybody's riding Daytona weekly. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. For all you that are going to Daytona today, you know? Yeah. Yeah, go ride. Yeah, get on the high banks and uh, make sure you have a right helmet on your head. All right. So thanks to Orion America, as always, for supporting the channel. So let's get into the news, Jay. As we're looking at it right now, we're going to start it off with that big MotoGP. Here's the problem with what we're getting ready to say. It hasn't been 100% confirmed yet by the manufacturer involved in this thing, but news broke a couple days ago that Suzuki is pulling out at MotoGP at the end of this season. Um, it's a big topic, Jay. So why don't you do go a ahead podcast kinda, on this? Yeah, seriously. But what are your thoughts about Suzuki pulling out ramifications? I mean, we've seen Suzuki do this before. We've seen him in trouble before. We've seen him leave the series and we've seen him come back and the amount of years it took to get back to the top and all that stuff. So what do you think? What I think is how come it hasn't happened sooner to start with? I, I, Suzuki, from a global standpoint, for motorcycles only, let's just say. I mean, they're non-existent almost, to me, it seems. Um, it's really funny because they've won the last two Stock 1000 championships here pretty convincingly with Jake Lewis and Cam Peterson. And you sit there and you go, well, if I had the money to go buy a 1000, what would I go buy? And I don't know how many people would say the Suzuki, even though the bike is incredible. The GSX-R1000 has stood the test of time. I mean, it's an incredible bike, but... Suzuki hasn't really come out with anything new of any interest to people over the last, what, Greg, 10 years, five years? I don't even know what it would be. Um, solid built motorcycles. Great, great company. Um, obviously, they were a great company back when I was uh, around them. The, the, the people there were always amazing on the American side of stuff. Um, boy, where do you start with this? You know, I think the thing that impacted me the most when I heard about this a few days ago 
crazy that they that they decide on a Monday the Monday test to kind of walk in and tell everybody, hey, that's it for us. We're closing shop, right? I mean, obviously this they knew about it going into the weekend. This came as a shock to everybody. Uh, it would have been a huge distraction had they brought this up on let's say Thursday, correct, before the race. So they wait till Monday at the test. <clears throat> the thing that impacted me the most, I think, is when you look at the photo of Rins and and um, Mir sitting on their bikes in front of a garage with all of the team around them. You know, the whole team in the photo. And you think to yourself, how many lives does this impact? Um, all those mechanics, crews, uh, hospitality people, go right down the list of logistics people, whoever this has been their job. How many of them have been with Suzuki since its inception? And this isn't something that like Suzuki wants to do. It just becomes, I think it becomes a thing of economics. And it's crazy to see. I think the hardest thing to understand is you finally have built a bike that's as competitive as it is. They've obviously put a lot of money into it during the off season, Greg, to make the bike faster, right? So they've Mm -hmm. done a lot of things. And now all of a sudden, six rounds in, with legitimately a shot at both your guys still being able to win the championship, long season still, but they're still right there. They both, other than other than this last weekend, you know, Mir got taken out of Portimao. Rins just didn't show up at Jerez. The thing is, though, is it's like you got two bikes that are still capable of championship, two riders that I think anybody would have on their team, and man, it's all going away. It's it. Let's hope it doesn't all go away. Let's, I would love to see all those people and all the riders and everybody just be able to maybe do a brand switch and just keep the team structured the way it is. It's, it's crazy. Look, what, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you take the helicopter view of it and you look at Suzuki as a corporation, you know, because from what we understand, the board of directors is the ones who made the decision like, hey, cut this line item. And that line item is probably, I mean, if... Moto, if, if MotoGP pays private teams 5 million euro a year to help them out with, you know, with travel and all that kind of stuff and reports are, um, on that Yamaha team, whatever the name of it is now that, you know, the satellite Yamaha team, um, R and F it's an 11. Yeah, exactly. If it's an R it's a 11 million euro kind of proposition, right? So you're talking about, let's just say 20 million. If you're a factory team, you have a bunch of resources, you know, involved, you have R and D department, you have all that kind of stuff. So let's just say for argument's sake, we're at a 25, 30 million euro, you know, price tag to go GP racing per year. And, you know, these manufacturers, Jay, they're not really good on getting outside industry sponsors. I mean, Suzuki's got X star as a sponsor that's internal, you know, Suzuki oil. So there's not like a lot of off, you know, offset cost, you know, like obviously you have Repsol, you have, and I don't know how much they're in for, somebody does. But anyway, if you take the helicopter view and you look at the stock price of Suzuki over the last, let's just take a snapshot of five years. Five years ago, they're at $172 a share. They they peak out in August of 2018 at about $272. They dropped to their lowest in five years at 92 bucks jay so when you go to wow. you know a share an average share or your share at 253 and your lowest was uh march 20th 2020 so about two years ago since their low they've made a bit of a comeback until november of 2020 then they start on this kind of downward trajectory it made a little bit of a rebound in october of 21 but since november 
of 2021, by and large, the stock has been on a decline. And right now yeah. we're at $125 a share. Now keep yeah. in mind, Suzuki as a corporation, Jay, they make motorcycles, automobiles, all-terrain vehicles, marine, outboard marine, marine engines. Yeah. They even yeah. do wheelchairs. Yeah. So there's a lot more from that the board has to concern themselves with than MotoGP. Yeah. But from a motorcycle standpoint, what's interesting to me is if you look at some of the moves that have been made in the U.S., there was an announcement not too many months ago, maybe last year, that Marines split for motorcycles. They're out of California. They moved their, their Marine headquarters to Florida. We know that the ATV stuff sells well, and they're made in Georgia. You know, there's some ATVs made in Georgia that are sold in the U.S. But I'm really questioning what's the future of the motorcycle division. It wouldn't surprise me if Suzuki tries to collapse it, maybe sell it off. And part of the attractiveness, if they're going to sell that motorcycle division off, would be to reduce the amount of money the motorcycle division spends. You yeah. know, yeah. so I, you know, it, it, I think what's happening is is larger than we think. Um, it's not just people, you know, thinking on a regional level like, oh, I can't believe they they canceled MotoGP. It's like as a corporation, what is going on with Suzuki? And their stock price is, is an indicator that they're trying to stop the bleeding right now. They don't want to get back into the 90s, 92 range. They want to, I'm sure, get back up into the 200s per share because it's affecting something. So. It's a it's a scary, the whole thing's scary. I mean, obviously we saw Yosh, you know, was kind of left without Suzuki equipment, what, four years ago now? And, it's been that long. And Yosh had been around for so long, a staple. 40-something for, years, right? Yeah, and we, we kind of have seen it just on the decline. Um, it's a... It's miserable. It is, I mean, it is. It is really miserable. And, you know, there's so much more to this than you and I could ever, ever talk about. But let's talk about the ramifications it's going to have on rider markets and things like that. I mean, you know, when you start to look at how many seats are available and what is actually out there and you start to think, what seats right now, Greg, um, could you see guys potentially, you know, like Rins and Mir taking? And you go, well... I think you started Aprilia. If Aprilia was to to build a second team, you have two great guys. That to me would be the obvious, most easiest thing to do. And this is just me and G Dub talking. We're not in that paddock, so we don't have as much knowledge as some others that might have over there. But when you start looking at guys, Greg, that seats could be taken, I think Vinales is right at the top. He has done nothing really since he's been on that bike. Um, Alacia's as been incredible on the bike. Um, Vinales, he could be a guy whose seat could be at risk here. And why wouldn't you put Rins on there? Rins, to me, I think has already had some... I think in the past, Greg, Rins has kind of been linked a little bit with Aprilia. Um, thoughts of where he could go. But I think Vinales' seat could be available. I think Dobie will be gone. If he's not gone by midseason, he'll be gone by the end of the year. I don't know how many guys are really jumping and itching to get on the Yamaha right now. But it's a solid package. I mean, Morbidelli, um, he's on a two-year deal, but but I mean, he's done nothing, has he? So not since he got injured. Yeah, I mean, since he got injured, and and he's he's. But Jay, that's the that's the weird thing. If you look across the board, I mean, this is how quickly things change in MotoGP. Yep. Joe Roberts was offered the Aprilia ride a couple of years ago, right? To go right from Moto Two to MotoGP. After that whole Salvadori thing and the Bradley Smith thing and that whole deal, and he turned it down because there was huge question, huge question marks surrounding Aprilia if they were a good bike. Right. I'm not sure if Joe thinks about it. 
I'm not sure I'm saying that Joe made a mistake because uh, I don't think he did necessarily at the time. But you look at it now and say, where could he be in a GP program as good as the Aprilia bike right now? Because the Aprilia seems to be closing steadily in. All right, let me let me ask you this question. What's the best bike overall right now in the paddock? Boy. What do you think? That's right. Last year, we would say Ducati hands down. Then they started the year rough. But it just seems like it, cha- it seems like it changes weekly, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But, but my argument would be, I think the best balanced bike is probably the Suzuki, right? Suzuki Aprilia, it's, yeah. And they're probably a lot alike. The Aprilia's right there. But the yeah. Aprilia's right there. And Aprilia's got a little bit of a nod, at, at least at the last racetrack, because you know they did long runs on it, and they knew how the front tire was going to react. Because once again, now that we're in Europe, we're talking about, oh, you can't draft anyone because the, the, the you know, because we, because we, <laughs> this is a funny bit, Jay. Because we have information now that's inside the wheel that measures tire pressure, measures temperature, it's a thing now, okay? Yep. In yep. the old days, you would go, oh, my front's junk. But now, if you listen to the race, and we're going to get into it in more detail, the Quattararo, who finished second in the race, was asked about, you know, you were five, six tenths back for a while there. And he's like, yeah, I had to be. I had to back off, get clean air, or else I was going to overcook my tire. Mm-hmm. So it's another thing, you know, it's it's one of those things, if you don't know, you don't know, and you just kind of like figure it out. Now that we know, there are strategies around it. I don't want to draft anybody. I don't. So what it's doing is preventing close racing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's creating a lull. So anyway, Aprilia knew especially that they on, had a Especially good on hot days. Especially on hot days, yeah. Yeah. So, or, and, and front, front heavy racetracks, right? Mm-hmm. Tracks that really require a good, good turn and bike, a lot of, a lot of time on the front. So um, from that perspective, I think you look at Aprilia and you hear they know that they were really good on a used front tire. And it's like, well, that's now a big deal. That mm-hmm. is a big deal that they'd gone race distance and stuff. So I and the Suzuki didn't get the results that Aleish did. So I like it. The question is, can the Wale factory, do they have enough resources at hand to build two more motorcycles? Or do you do the, the traditional thing, which is for 2023... You get new bikes on the factory team, and then the, the satellite team gets those second bikes. And our Rins and Mir satellite team guys, Jay. But wow. what what's the one bike you wouldn't put them on right now? I wouldn't put who on? Rins or Mir. I don't see a reason to go jump, to be fair, go jump on the Honda. To me, it just seems, it doesn't seem like it's really worked for anybody. Or, or the Yamaha right now. The two bikes right now that they work really well for one person on each team. To me, the thing is, Greg, listen, I wrote down a list of names here. Okay, Some, go for it. And I know Morbidelli's on a two-year. But you look at Dovi, Vinales, Morbidelli. Look at Raul Fernandez, who never wanted to be where he's at anyways on the KTM MotoGP team. Deji Antonio, Paul Espargaro, Alex Marquez, and Nakagami. There's eight riders there that I could see. Potentially, you could see somebody from within their within their place go in and go, listen, we're going to make a change, right? I mean, and if you go right down that list again, two guys on Hondas, Marquez and Nakagami, if you had a if you had a stockpile of money sitting there and you had Nakagami and Marquez and you had Rins and, and Mir sitting over there, I already know what you're going to say. You'd go pick up one of the other two guys in a heartbeat. Even Paul, I, I don't know if Paul deserves to lose his ride at this point. Um, but again, if you've got Rins and Mir sitting there, Deji Antonio has done nothing, like literally zero. Uh, you could look at Bedzeki, you could look at 
Marini, um, some of those guys, and you go, hey, they, they've put in some good rides. Digi Antonio has done zero. Uh, Raul Fernandez. You look at Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner. I don't know why, but I got this feeling that Remy will, no, no matter what, Remy will be there. Raul Fernandez didn't want to be there to start with. Who knows? Morbidelli. I mean, he's got a two-year deal. Is it more expensive for them to... I think that I think that Quattararo is going to take a lot of that money. So I don't think they're going to have enough space to even think about putting a Rins or a Mirror on with Quattararo because it's going to cost them even more money, isn't it? They're going to have to pay off Morbidelli. And uh, they'll probably move Morbidelli back down in Dovi's spot, if anything. But then you've got you got Vinales, who could be out. Dovi could be out, like we say. So you got all these guys. There, there are places to go. What I wouldn't want to do right now is be an up-and-coming Moto2 guy. Unless your name's Agura, because Agura has links with Honda. Honda would, you know, they've been talking about him taking Nakagami's place, which you could see, um, or Alex Marquez's place. But again, you wouldn't want to be a good Moto2 guy right now. I don't think that we're going to see the influx of Moto2 riders jumping up to MotoGP next year that we saw this past year. And I don't know, man. I, I just think that you look at Rins and Mir. Does Dorna get involved in this G-Dub in the sense... Do they yes. go to Aprilia? Do they go to Aprilia and go, what's it going to take for us to field two more bikes with two more riders, right? Dor- Dorna gets 100% involved in this situation yeah. For, yeah. From, from a lot of different perspectives. I mean, Correct. first and foremost, there's only 24 slots on the grid. This year is the first time in many years that we've even filled 24. So to lose two is, is a deal. Suzuki last year signed a five-year commitment to be in Dorna. And people are like, ah, oh, they fi- signed a five-year commitment. Look, I don't, I don't know that contract. But right. if you're talking about a, a program that costs you 30 million euro a year, um, you know, some of that's coming from XStar, some of that's coming from corporate, you know what I mean? You're spreading it out. You know, again, I, my numbers could be off, but if you're doing that over five years, Jason, you're a gambler. What's five times three? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 15, right. Is yeah. that, is that yeah. one point? That's like, I, when you, well, when you, when, that's what are you one, talking about? What would that be? Uh, so if you're spending three thirty million euro a year on your program and you got a five year commitment, how much is that total? Uh hundred and twenty one one fifty hundred and fifty hundred fifty million euro, okay. Yeah. Hundred and fifty million euro. Great, great you're that not, you're testing you're, our math skills for everybody yeah. to just see how bad we are. You're you're what I, well, I wasn't really Thanks. thinking about so so what I'm saying <laughs> is that people are like, Well, yeah, they're gonna get a penalty or they might get sued by Dorna or whatever, and I understand all that, but there's no way that they're in the contract they say if you pull out with four years left to go in your contract that you're going to have to pay us 150 million like euro. Like it's, you know, it's not, it's still going to be a win for them to get out. Even if they get sued. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. I just think that, you know, Dorna will get involved, uh, obviously because they help the teams and I know they do, but, um, I just think it's sad the whole way around. I think that it's, I think if I'm, if I'm mirror and Rins, do you think Greg that, that it's kind of lost its luster to be a Honda rider anymore. Like when you look yeah, at the guys totally. that have jumped on that bike, I mean, Lorenzo's jumped on it, Paul's jumped on it the last couple of years, um, and literally just it's been fail after fail. I mean, the best ride that we've seen that we've seen out of Paul is the opening Grand Prix of the season at Doha, where he led most of the race, ended up on the mm-hmm. podium. Everything's great since then. We haven't really heard from him. Um, I have no, no idea. No, we why did he's one t- race. One one race we did. Like he. No he did idea well why he's. St- was yeah, it? No, he's still on my fantasy team. I can't get rid of him. It's like, the way the money works on that thing. It's <laughs> killing me. Uh, 
That's for oh. another story. But yeah, it's well, yeah, I miss fantasy. But like Mirror, I think I don't know, man. It's like it's, I honestly, if I'm Mirror and Rins, and I had the idea of well, we're gonna get another Aprilia team going, and we can get kind of the same equipment as what the factory guys are on. I'd take that over the second Honda seat. Well, what we do know is that what we do know on GP1.com, they interviewed Rins' manager, and he said that the intention was for them to stay at Suzuki anyway. That's the the area they were going down. Now, the cool thing is is that the rumor of Mir going to Honda, from a leverage standpoint, that, of course, allows you to get more money out of Suzuki, right? So if if the only option is they're going to get rid of Pole, possibly, or get rid of Alex Marquez, and they want to hire Mir... The amount of money Honda has to pay him now that Suzuki's folding is ridiculously low. Like that's that's really one of those weird things. It becomes you know a a, a buyer's market from a seller's market, really, mm-hmm. just because of Suzuki's collapse. Who gets a ride first, Mir or Rins? That's another. Well, I think if it's a Prilia talking, it's going to be Rins. I think if it's mm-hmm. a Honda thing, it's going to be Mir. That's no other that's way my, around. Other way, yeah, other way around. I think. No, I think I think Mir will take. I think Mir would go to Honda, and I think Rins would go to Aprilia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I don't think that um, I haven't. And you go and and you look at, but 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 you brought it up initially in this. The Suzuki and the Aprilia look a lot alike on track to me. They both seem like they're pretty agile. They both handle well. Top speeds look relatively the same. Um, You know, so I think that when you think about it, I. The transition for each one of those guys, the Aprilia would probably be an easier deal, I guess. I think that, you know, they, they the, the problem is, is the trickle down. When you look at the eight riders that I just named out, if somebody moves in, those guys got to go somewhere. Where do they go? Where does, like, where does Morbidelli, Morbidelli could go back down to the satellite team, but then you you hear all the talk about Top Rat coming in and riding that bike, um, possibly. Yeah, so, good point. you know, you've got guys that, that, Right now, it's going to be even more difficult to get into MotoGP, I think. Uh, again, unless you have a Japanese passport. I think Agura, that's been the talk. He's young. He's within Honda. I was watching the race with a friend the other day and explaining that everybody's on Triumphs. And, you know, you look on Agura's bike, it says Honda, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's it's he's a Honda, he's a HRC guy. I mean, Oyama has been there... Um, He's been a Honda guy forever. The the guy who runs the Asia team there. So, it's um, it's 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 interesting where everybody where would Paul go? Like if he gets sacked by Honda, where would he go? Maybe he gets on Marquez's ride. Alex Marquez. I mean, has Alex Marquez done anything at all to warrant keeping that seat? Right. Not yet. Like not yet. He's lucky he's got a brother, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that. I don't Yeah, but think he's up that, against it. I mean, the bike is the is, bike just isn't 100%. I mean, yeah. look what happened to Marquez 2 laps or 3 laps to the end of the race, right? Mm-hmm. He tucked the front bigger than shit and saved it. Yeah. It's like the front end of that bike is garbage right now. Well, it's garbage. yeah, you got to remember he was 8 feet offline too. He was out in the dirty part of the track. So, yeah. that's got to be yeah. equated to something and yeah, we've seen him toss it. You know, by all all means, the Honda this year was supposed to be really good and when it went to Doha, it was amazing. Um, and then from that point, it's not been great, has it? So, man, it's just a... I think the tell, again, Marquez probably could have been competitive at Coda had the thing not happened 
that happened um, at the start with him, if you remember. He yeah. came back to finish sixth. I mean, I, ideally, he would have probably yeah, but only been Mark up can the ride front. it, just like only Quadro can ride the Yamaha. And the thing and is, that's, the, the, that's the, right. the BMW or the BMW, the Ducati is really it's 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 a much more rideable bike across the spectrum. And you know, the thing that's interesting, if you read between the lines, with so they had a test, right? They had a, they had a test on Monday at Jerez, Jerez, and um, if you watch the test. The comments afterwards from Pecco in the race, from Johan Zarco in the test, is that they're trying to figure out how to ride this motorcycle because all of a sudden this bike goes really well around the corners and it's now become a much more front dependent motorcycle than it used to be. So what they're saying is the Ducati needs to roll around the corner now instead of just going in, stopping and then squirting out. It's a much different bike to ride. And it was the comments that Pecco made in the three post-race press conferences. And it's very similar to what Zarco said after the test. He was he was fast in the test. So my thing is, is that I think that you have Paolo, Chibati, and the people at Corsa looking at their bike in a different way. And they could be making room for Amir or Arins as well. It would not surprise me by any stretch of the imagination if we saw a guy like Mir on a Ducati next year on one of those satellite teams or wins yeah with up or wins with updated equipment you know I'll tell you what's really funny though about the Ducati thing Greg all right and tell me if I'm wrong here please correct me it just seems like each weekend there's one Ducati rider that does really well so like you look at you look at Doha Bastianini was there right he Mm. he he ended up winning um Martin got taken out by Bagnaya so you got two Ducatis that crashed when you when you think about the Ducati, like Martin's having a horrendous year. He's crashed three out of five races, I think it is. Um, Miller has had a pretty crap year. Um, he had a, a decent ride going well, this weekend. But I'm yeah. saying that like it, it's it's always like there's there's one Bagnaya has had a shit year until legitimately the last two Grand Prix. That it it just seems like you know, you got eight Ducatis on the grid and you never see like yeah, three like Ducatis a, battling like, at the front. Yeah, you don't. You don't Zarco. See him like Zarco's yeah. another guy. He's either really good, like he was at Portimao, or he's really shit and crashing, like he did again this weekend. It's not like, like I know the Ducati is good. I know the Ducati's great. I still think the Ducati's the best bike out there. It just depends on what version you're riding and what racetrack you're at. I just think right now they haven't made that bike a total package for every track that they go to for each rider to excel. I think that. Part part of me feels that there's too much information. There's too many guys that need, you know, you're a rider. You need specific stuff to you. And there's so much information flowing because they have so many bikes, right? And that it's almost like they hit on the setup for one particular rider that weekend. And then the rest of the riders have got to ride that setup and it doesn't fit them. Although I will say that I thought this is one of the best rides I've ever seen Jack Miller have, honestly. And I'll I'll explain that like later on, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that, yeah. yeah, we could keep like you're saying, it's a total podcast. We have more to talk about, obviously, the race, but this is all speculation stuff. But Zeki's done amazing. But Zeki's done really well. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah, done but he was, great. But Zeki on the old bike. And yeah, and, and and Marini was there last year, right? Luca Marini was yeah, there last Marini year. Was, yeah, and Bedzeki's outshined him so far. Um mm-hmm. Like but Marini's Marini, had a couple sessions where he's actually been up front. Been it's okay. Antonio that has been Nowhere. Yeah, yeah, the whole season. I don't think he's 
Maybe been one nowhere. session where he was and in then, the top 10, maybe, in the West. And you start looking at some of the guys that you were thinking about are going to be guys that are going to jump up. The Acosta train has stopped. Like, nobody even talks about Pedro Acosta anymore. Nobody. I mean... How fast was that, dude? Sheesh. I mean, Furman Eldegar, to me, has outshined every other teenager that there is from any other class. Furman Eldegar deserves a shot at MotoGP. He won't get one. I think they have a minimum age, right, of 18? But, I yes. mean... But Acosta... Acosta is like not even on people's brains anymore. Like you don't even hear them hardly bring his name up even in in these races. I mean, going into the year, they had all but put given him the championship, saying how great he was. But if you remember, he went through a huge lull in Moto Three in the middle of the season after winning all those races at the front, um, where he almost lost the championship. I mean, he had like a seventy something point lead at one point, and it came down to two races to go. And if it hadn't have been for uh, for Fagia getting taken out at Portimao. It would have gone down to the final race. So that's taking nothing away. I, I know I sound, I'm saying this now. Taking nothing away from Acosta. The hype around him was huge. But right now, there wouldn't be a seat open for him. And even the same goes for Raul Fernandez. I, he's been hurt. But it's not like he came into this thing and set the world on fire on the KTM, right? And yeah. I don't know if the KTM is the best place for these young guys to go to right off the bat anyhow. They're yeah, still a, that's, I mean, we're, still a very we're not even talking thing. about. So hit and miss. We're not even talking about like KTM and spots they might have available. If, yeah. if Mir or Rins is going to go there, why would they? You I, know? I would at least yeah, rather so. get on a Yamaha because at least you've seen one guy win on it. And no riders going into it saying I'm not as good as Fabio. So Correct. from a, from a rider standpoint, you know, you would think your confidence in yourself has got to say, well, I'm as good as Fabio. So I can go make the Yamaha work for me too. So right. from our standpoint, we're going like, gee, why would you want to ride that? Same thing with the Honda. And I mean, that's why I got like Paul Espargaro is like, dude, I'm going to ride Repsol HRC. Like this is this is the the hot setup. And look what Marquez and everybody's saying I can charge into the corner like Mark and I can get the spike to work like Mark and you know, yeah. Off, well, off the back you go. So I think that I think if you're if you're Spanish, the Repsol Honda thing has been a dream, right? I mean, that's why Lorenzo went there. I mean the the Repsol Honda thing. Yeah, you got you 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 think grow about up it, Jay, with it. You flown in. You grow up with. You've it. flown into Spain before. Not only you grew up with it watching racing. I mean, they leverage these MotoGP racers in Spain. You see stuff in stores. You see banners signs. flying around. Big, like big signs. signs. Repsol Honda Just signs like, and yeah. Well, I mean, like Repsol you're, you're, Repsol advertising with majority Marquez and Repsol riders on their mm-hmm. on their branding. So Repsol. I mean, how long have they been in now? I mean. It's got to be when did when was doing winning championships late ninety late nineties, I mean that's been like a team sponsor for twenty five years. Um, it's, yeah, you know we always laugh about the the unveilings at the beginning of the year of like, gee, I wonder what the Repsol like, bikes are going to look ooh, like. Ooh, look, they know? added a they added a half inch stripe on the bottom of the fairing. Good job. Yeah, just too funny. Let's get let's get to the results of Jerez this last weekend. Great. Wait, 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 we hold can... on, hold on. I have more news. No, I have oh, we got news. more news. Okay, so, Sorry. Yeah, let's go. Yo- yeah. Yo- Yosh is back racing, by the way, and not with Suzuki. Uh, this time, they're going to be racing a Yamaha R7 in Twins Cup at WeatherTech Raceway ah. Laguna Seca. Yep. They have actually been testing already. It's uh, The rider's going to be Ari Henning, RevZilla's editor. Cool. So Ari's yep. been out there at Chuckwalla uh, riding around, and, and they've been testing and stuff like that. So... It will debut. I'm really interested to see what they do. What's been interesting, if you watch the video series about Yosh, is their race team is long gone for the most part. I mean, there's a couple guys that are one or two guys I saw. Um, I saw, uh, um, what's his name? Sean uh, Stormont. 
Oh yeah, was, was in the video. Oh, uh, was Daisuke. he? Daisuke yeah. Hashimoto is kind of the crew chief for the program, but for the most part, it's the Yosh R and D team who okay. doesn't have race experience and some younger people that are getting some experience. So really looking forward to seeing uh, Ari Henning there because he's such a great dude, good guy, um, and he'll be at at Laguna Seca when we're there, obviously racing July eighth through the tenth, and then. Um, I already mentioned the test. So that'll wrap it up for news. So now you can take it away. It's cool for Ari. I don't know. You know, I know I've met Ari, but I don't know him that great. But I just hear nothing but great things about him. So that's that's really cool for him to be able to do that. I'm sure we'll be able to read about this. He's a Massachusetts um, boy, by the way. Lives in Cali, he? but he, yeah, originally from the Cape. Yeah, Cape Cod. So he's got one thing against him. He's probably a Pats <laughs> fan. <laughs> don't listen Anyways. to him, Ari. Um, so let's get into the results from the weekend, Greg. So uh, I wouldn't say it was the most exciting MotoGP race in the history of them. It seemed like uh, it was a very, very difficult. It's a very difficult place to pass. It looked like Jerez. Uh, it was a hot day. It was a warm day. Did you see the amount of people that were there? It was crazy to look at all the yes. fans. It was great. But Bagnaia yeah. goes on to win the race just over Quattararo by 0.2 of a second. And to be fair, it was a close tactical race that wasn't really as close as the finished looked. I mean, Bagnaia kind of looked like he had it under control. You could see Quattararo coming back and forth, but even he said, he's like, I was trying everything and just couldn't quite get to that spot. 10 seconds back though, those two guys smoked everybody. 10 seconds back, Alicia Spargo brings the Aprilia home again on the podium. Amazing job from him. Marquez fourth. We'll get into this battle that these three had. Miller ends up fifth. Miller did a great job, as you say. Juan Mir ends up sixth. He was trying so hard to just get onto the back of those guys and couldn't do it. Nakagami, kind of a track specialist there, I guess you could say at Jerez. He ends up seventh, his best result by far uh, this year. Bastianini, eighth. Marco Bedzecki, best of the rookies. He ends up ninth. He beats Brad Binder, crossed the line by about one second. And then Paula Spargo, 11th, just upset. Miguel Oliveira um, ends up 12th. Alex Marquez, 13th. Vignal is very disappointing, 14th. Morbidelli gets that last point. Um, not really any big non-finishers. to. I mean, Darren Bender tipped off. Um, Brottle tipped off. And Zarco, again, crashed. So, you know, I guess when you look at this race, Greg, I mean, I don't know where to start. Bagnaya, it almost seems that Bagnaya getting hurt at Portimao Came from the back of the grid, put it a great race, got a lot of physio during the week, comes back out. And I, I got to be honest, I thought that he would lead and I thought that he would be fast. I didn't think that he'd be able to make it sustainable for the full laps, which was impressive to me. I thought Quadraro was going to win this race and uh, I was wrong. I mean, I knew it would be close, but but Bagnaya controlled the pace really nicely, was fast and um, and wins his first one of the year and I think really puts him back on track. I was really impressed with the amount of pressure that Quart was able to put on Pecco and Pecco just answered all the time and his lap times were super consistent. What I don't, what I don't like to hear is, you know, the, the press or the commentators like, Oh, you ran a flawless race. He didn't run a flawless race. He was running wide here, ran wide there. Even, even Quadraro talked about it afterwards. He said it was so weird. Like we'd go into these corners and we're like, even, and he would go wide. And I thought, here's an opportunity. And then I would go wide as well. You know, and, yeah. and, but if you go look at it and as a, as a guy who is a former racer yourself and a coach, if you actually go look at the lap breakdown, I mean, the, the guy was within a couple tenths of a second, every single lap. I mean, just clicking them off, clicking them off, clicking them off was Pecco did a great job. 
I, you know, I know the strategy with the front tire. I mentioned it earlier. Quadraro said that he had to hang back mid race, you know, make sure that that tire didn't overheat. So he didn't lose ground. And then he kind of made a charge at the end, but it was that little bit of extra Ducati grunt that Quark just could not get there. And I mean, the folks at Yamaha have just got to be scratching their head. I know that news is out that the next time they test, there's going to be a new aero package and stuff, and that might help. But the motor is the motor right now. And so it's got to be frustrating from Quattararo's perspective. It's got to be frustrating from every other Yamaha rider's perspective because Quark's the only one that can ride it, which means the bike isn't as bad as they say. Uh-huh. But I thought the race up front was great. The yep. second bit was those three. And the reason I say to Jack Miller, who was in third for a long time, I mean, it was really close. They had, he had uh, Mark Marquez behind him, pressuring him, and Jack looked really good. I he mean, did. you knew eventually the tire was going to go off. You knew that Mark's tire was going to go off and that Aleish was going to find an opportunity. But I thought that Jack Miller handled the pressure for Mark Marquez because it was there and it was a lot closer than Quateraro <laughs> was to, to the front. And I'm curious to get your take on that because even though he finishes fifth, I know the end result, I thought it was one of the best, smartest races I've seen from Jack Miller um, in quite a while. I'd have to agree 100% with you there. I think, you know, Greg, don't you think it's, it's, how do I put it? If you have a, oh, let's just use, um, God, who could, I mean, when you have Mark Marquez pressuring you the whole the whole Dude, race come on it's got it's a different feel it's a definite different feel than if you have zarco or bastianini or any of these other guys pressing you alicia spargo like if you got those guys pressing you you're like okay it's alicia but when you got mark marquez who you know at any time anywhere on the track is going to have the ability to dive bomb you anywhere which he did to jack jack even laughed about it he's like i didn't think it was going to happen there like he didn't think it was going to happen where it where it happened um when you sit there and you look at that stuff and you think to yourself, he withstood that pressure for how many laps? Probably 20 laps. Yes, and that sounds right. Yeah, and and then what's even crazier is that once Marquez got through, it shows the psyche. His whole thought process was, I can't let Jack outbreak because, you know, Miller's so hard on the brakes. I can't let him outbreak me into this last corner. And then Marquez then in turn makes a mistake and drags Miller in there with him and opens the door for Aleish who was sitting there basically thinking, I'm going to have to take fifth. He even said in his interviews, like, I'm going to have to take fifth because these two guys were, Marquez was trying to figure out where to get by Miller. I had nowhere to go to get by either one of them. And then all of a sudden, this gigantic hole just opens up. Aleish goes through, and he had pace on those guys, didn't he? Because once he got through, he got through. Half a second, a lap. I mean, it was crazy. And, and. Yeah, it was it was wild. I agree with you on Jack's thing. I think what Jack Miller has to do right now is understand that these top five finishes, if he can pull them in, they'll they'll run him up the championship ladder a lot quicker. And it it's a year, Greg, where we are going to have so so many different opportunities to see so many different winners. How many have we seen so far? Who's won? I'm going to put you on the spot. Bagnaia's won. Quattararo's won. Bastianini's won. Who else Miller? has won? Miller, uh, Miller no, Miller hasn't won yet. Where did cause he he didn't win yet? So like we've had what five Grand Prix? Are we at five or six? Yeah. Was, so Qatar Qatar was won by Bastianini. Bastianini, and then Alesh won in Argentina. Miguel Oliveira in Oliveira. That's the other one. So that's you got, the other one. Have yeah. we had five different winners in five Grand Prix? Alesh, that's three. Uh, no, Bastianini won 
Coda. Bastion, he's, he's won twice. He won Coda, yeah, he's won Coda and the first one. So yeah. you got Bastion, he's won two. Oliveira, who's won one. Alace has won one. Fabio's yeah. won one. And now Bagnaya's yeah. won one. So we're six yeah. rounds in. I mean, that's incredible. Six rounds, five like, winners. In- that's incredible. And and <laughs> Mark Marquez hasn't won yet. And you got to think got to think that he's probably going to win one down the line here. So, I mean, when you start to look at it, we've got five winners in six rounds. We've got a 21-22. What is it? 21 race season? 21. So, incredible. And and there's still guys, and you know, you're going to throw that, you know, could happen at Le Mans next week. One of these Suzuki guys are going to win, whether it be in the rain or the dry. Um, Miller hasn't won yet. You have the potential to probably see, well, probably easily see eight or nine winners this year. So, but you've got to finish these races. You've got to get these points. And I think that Miller did a tremendous job doing exactly what you just said there. I thought he did a really nice job um, withstanding that pressure, not making the big mistake. you know. And he was happy with his ride when you heard him afterwards. He's like, the other two guys just had a little bit more than the rest of the field. Well, that 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 in itself is very true. And that's undeniable. Now, where Aleish, Aleish falls into this whole thing is his starts are garbage and he's saying that basically the clutch is garbage. So Aleish probably should have been either with the leaders. And even he said, he not sure that he actually had the pace to run with those two guys, but he would have been in no man's land all by himself. Had he not gotten a better start, but I, I liked Aleish's ride. He said, look, I could not outbreak Mark Marquez to pass him. There was no chance. He goes, that guy yeah. was so deep on the brakes. I would have risked it all. And I just like hearing that because Aleish yep. has been very consistent. He's, I think he's still second in the championship as memory serves. And what was interesting is they do this post-race press conference thing, right? Where they have the three riders sitting. They're still in their leathers and everything, but they have them sitting up on an elevated platform. They do a, one question each and then they open it up to the media. And towards the end, this journalist was like, hey, you know, Pecco and Quateraro Last year, Pecco was unstoppable, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you guys think you're going to go down to the championship? Yada, yada, yada. And Quateraro was answering the question, and Alicia sitting there, and, and Quart just kind of, like, said, yeah, but you can't forget about Alicia Spargro, man. He's had an unbelievably incredible season. He's been consistent. He's going to be right here in this championship. It's not coming down to myself and Pecco. It's going to come down to at least the three of us. And I agree with him on that one. You know, Man, it's, it's insane when you, I, no matter what, no matter what Alesh has done, it just goes to show you, Greg, un- unless you have, he has, he's had just an insane great year. Like that Aprilia is the real deal. He's not making mistakes. He's riding amazing. He's there every weekend. But the lack of respect that he still gets is insane. It, it is. is. It's insane. crazy. And and I think a lot of it is just because there was a lot of people, a lot of journalists used to talk about we don't really know how good Alicia is because he's never really shown anything. Does he really deserve this ride at Aprilia? There was somebody within Aprilia that had big belief in Alicia this whole time, right? There. Yeah. So, so what that tells me is that Alicia's words that he speaks when it comes to bike setup and things like that, they can see on the data. They can they can go back whoever is looking at things and go, this guy knows what he's talking about. And if we can give him the things that he is saying that we can visibly see is missing maybe we can do well and maybe we can win some of these races. And it looks like that time has come where it's a little bit full circle, isn't it? Where he has, 
been given some of the tools that he needs and he's showing them, hey, you've given me this stuff and now look where we're at. It's been a long road. But I do believe that a lot of it comes from the journalist side where he still isn't on the top of people's list when you hear them talking about these races. It's, But he's done an incredible job. I love it. I think it's great. I've always been the underdog guy rooting for the underdog guy anyways. Um, I think you've been a little bit like that the same. Um, um, that said, I can appreciate, you know, when Marquez or Johnny Ray, you know, were winning their, their championships and world championships and winning every race because I know the hard work that it must take for those guys in the, to be able to do that. Um, but again, you know, this goes back to the beginning of our podcast. Alesh wants a big raise, doesn't he? That's what we've been hearing. Like he wants to be compensated for what he has done. And what is that going to take away from the potential of getting a satellite team and getting two unbelievable riders signed up? Like how much of the money does he take? How much of the money does Yamaha spend right now? Does that compromise their second and third and fourth riders that they put on that team? Top Rack comes in. He's not going to, if Top Rack was to go on and win the championship this year in world Superbike and get a shot at MotoGP, he's not going to come in there and be wanting to get paid, you know, a quarter more of what he's getting paid in World Superbike. He's going to want like a times two or times three raise to go ride MotoGP and step away from somewhere where he knows he could be winning, right? You would think so. so. I mean, why would so you give that up? Especially a big question mark with the Yamaha bike right now. But but if you're Yamaha, wouldn't you just go and like, like take the Brinks truck and back it up to his driveway and dump a bucket load of money if, in his garage? I mean, not Top it, Rack. I'm talking Quattararo. Quattararo, yeah. If, if you have it. That's... At least they have Monster. I have no idea how much Monster pays them, but at least Yamaha has got some outside industry sponsors, which offsets their stuff. You know, I, I haven't like done the research to check out Yamaha stock price as a company. You know, because they're also into plenty of other, you know, plenty of other. Yeah, things. they're they're um, strong. I mean, I think that they're pretty strong. They got a lot of um, other stuff, but it's like the same thing. It's it's Mark Marquez without without Mark Marquez Marquez. Where's Repsol Honda without Fabio Quattararo? Where is Yamaha at? And and you go, you got to keep those two guys happy, but what are you sacrificing to do it? I think it's incredible what Ducati has done because they've got a lot of A-list type of riders when you think about it. And, um, you know, right now, I mean, Jorge Martin, they were saying on the weekend, Jorge Martin's already in the, in the books to take Jack Miller's place, but he's crashed in three out of the six races, four out of six, three out of six or four out of six. I can't remember. It's four out of six because he crashed at Doha, crashed at Doha, crashed at Mandalika, crashed at Portimao, and crashed this last weekend. So four out of six rounds. Martin's out of it, right? So it's it's yeah. it's yeah, it's wild. So no way you get rid of Hor- no way you get rid of Martin. You know, definitely not. No. I mean, no, no, yeah, no. he's having a bad run at it. I understand, but the talent is undeniable. Oh, he's so desire. good, and I I love the guy. I mean. I think that's the other kind of cool thing. Are we Do we have a villain? The villain, I guess, is Mark Marquez. Mark has a tendency. Did you watch? Any, did you get to watch any of the, like the practices and qualifyings and stuff? No. I still get blown away at the stupid shit he does on a track being an eight- or nine-time world champion. Like Oh, like following the, people around and stuff? Not just that. Like That just gets people under under your skin. And that's who cares about that? But I'm talking about like just touring around on the racetrack... He pulls out and places on the track without even looking back. It's like I still get blown away by 
that that happens at that level? I mean, when I get on a racetrack or off a racetrack, it was weird. And it's probably a little bit of the world endurance side of things in me. You know, when you're getting on the track for a stint or getting off the track for a stint, it's so important. But I used to get, I used to have my concentration so high. And if I ran off, if I run off a racetrack anywhere at all, I am always the guy that goes, hey, I've screwed up here. It's not my obligation to get back on the track as quickly as I can. It's my obligation to get on the track as safely as I can and not impact anybody else. And he still does this this weird shit all the time. And I, I just go, man, that's not really befitting of a guy that's won as many world championships as he has done and just doing dumb shit. Like, I, I just get blown away by it sometimes. Like, it's... But... I, there's not really a villain in MotoGP. A lot of the guys seem really cool. A lot of them seem just like they're having a great time. I think you're right. I think probably Mark is the biggest villain you have. You have people that are hard hardcore. You know, he's arguably has the largest fan base now, now that Valentino's gone. And so with a huge fan base comes a huge hater base, right? So, you know, that, that's probably that situation. But the hate's where... been there a while. You look at what he did, even... I know that, you know, when the... <laughs> When, when what happened between him and Rossi a bunch of years ago at, I believe, Sepang, he was just screwing with Rossi. And it's like, there wasn't really a race there. He was he was trying to disrupt and screw Rossi up. And I was one of the few... I was in Spain when that happened, G-Dub, when that race was going. I was, I was laying in bed in Barcelona, of all places, with my windows wide open. And all the bars... When that happened, you could hear it in the streets. Like you could hear it. I'd never been, I'd never seen anything like it, but I was happy. I was screaming at Rossi to do it earlier, like park him, you know? And, but you see Marquez is the bit of the villain and he puts on the smiley face afterwards. Like, ah, yeah, it's not a big deal, but, but he does do some stupid shit. And, um, yeah, I thought I, this weekend though, he rode so well on that bike when he had to go through Q. Did he have no? He went through Q. Uh, he went through on Q1. He, uh, I'm sorry. He was got. He went straight through to Q2. But man, he was struggling. He just willed that bike to do the lap time he did to get qualified where he did. He's still spectacular to watch. He is. Let's go to yeah. Moto Two. Let's do it. I'm gonna let you talk about Moto Two. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Moto Two results by two and a half seconds. Iogora, dude. I don't think he, he. I mean, he led every single lap, didn't he? Pretty sure he did. He, he did. Lap. He led from start to finish, man. Yeah. Unreal. A great performance by Agora. Uh, his first win, he'd never won in Moto3, and his first win uh, in the MotoGP paddock, so congratulations to I. Uh, Aaron Kinnett, off of surgery. Jay, I guess it's something you're familiar <laughs> with. Comes in second yeah. place. How the hell? Tony Arbolino in third. Augusto Fernandez. Marcel Schroeder. The old man back at it in P5 ahead of... He's riding good this year, by the way. He's riding... Yeah, he's riding back to where he, he should have. I think it's yep. more like he struggled the last couple of years, and now he's kind of Do you think he had injuries? Do you think he had injuries, G-Dub? I honestly don't know if it was team or injuries, but I yeah. I, I do like Marcel Schroeder, um, you know, just from the normal stuff, the couple times that I've just met him or whatever, so I'm happy for him. Vietti in sixth place. Bo, you know, which again... Uh, uh, Bo Schneider in seventh, just ahead of Joe Roberts, who after coming off of a big win, 14 seconds behind. Arenas in ninth, Navarro, Zaccone, Alcoba in 12th place, Manzi in 13th, Baltus in 14th, and Delaporta in 15th place. Unfortunately, Chantra, who's won a race this year, didn't finish, neither did uh, 
Marco Ramirez, who was Bobier's teammate last year, now on that MV Augusta, doesn't finish. Bobier either. He had to pull in Jake Gibson, or sorry, Jake Dixon, Sam Lowe's, uh, your boy Furman Aldegar, and then Fanati non-finishers. Bobier had a shifter problem, but it didn't look like Cam. Well, I guess he'd, he'd gone from 20-something up to 17th, I think, when he had the problem. So Bobier was looking kind of like last year, Bobier. He was setting up for passing a lot of people and then probably doing fast laps at the end of the race. So a bit of a disappointment after a couple of good weekends for Bobier. What do you think about Moto2 and my boy Ayogura wow. walking away with this big one? As everybody he, said, well, Nakagami's all pissed because Ogura's got his ride. It's like, settle down, everybody. Well, the Honda boss was in the winner's circle, too, or you know, park for me there, winner's circle. I'm so Fuzzy. 70s. <laughs> so 70s. Uh, but, yeah, he was in the you know area where the guys come in, park for me there, and he was there. So, you know, you got to think that that's the guy that they're they're earmarking to. You know, they need a, they need a new young Japanese guy. Ogura doesn't seem like he makes very many mistakes. He rides hard. He does well. Seems... He's got a little edge about him, which I like. Um, Isn't he still he, 19 at this point or something? I don't know, GW. He's your boyfriend. I figured you'd know that stuff. Oh, oh no? is that the way we're doing it? All right. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know you love the guy. Kanet, uh, I mean, the only thing that could take away from Agura's effort is Kanet's. I mean, the guy had surgery on Monday after after Portugal. And, um, you know, he is, he is really right now, when you start to look at... Championship favorites, Kanet to me is kind of the guy, and I know he's behind right now because of his crash at Portimao, but he's he's been in the top three all year long, Greg, battling for the top three positions all year long. Has that consistency, he knows the pace, you know, he's got that edge about him as well. Now he's just going to heal up and get better. I, they go to Le Mans next. I'm not sure when. Is it when we're in VIR or is it a week before VIR? I don't know. No, it's when um, we're in, it's when, yeah, 24th. So he's, he'll be healed up by then. He'll be great. Um, looking down the list, I think that when you start to, you know, you look at Joe, Joe's doing a nice job. Joe's finishing these no, races. Sorry, sorry, Jay. sorry, Jay. They're, they're there the 15th. They're there the weekend. Yeah. The weekend, the weekend before prior to us. In. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, and I, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm getting a psychic prediction. Something is being channeled through me right now. There we go. Yeah. Here rain, go. rain, rain and yeah. rain at Lamar. Mm -hmm. Tough one. Tough one. Um, yeah, yeah it, it will at some point rain at Lamar, but I think Joe's right. done a really nice job. Um, you know, I know, I know. Eight doesn't seem like where you know he wants to be, um, but he comes off a win. He ends up eighth here. He's getting those points. We just, you know, in this class, Greg, it's 0 0.3, 0 0.4 of a second of a lap is gets you, you know, probably gets him in the top three, right? So it's like he's got to just keep grinding away. You know, Aldegar got cleaned out by Dixon, who just seems to crash every weekend. Um, Jake has definitely made a big step this year. And shown that he's capable of running up front and been on the podium. And yeah, you better uh, be nice. You better be nice, by the way. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, because Cameron and Jake now they're golfing together, which means you know when Cam comes back for the winter, you'll probably get together with Cam, do a little bit of golfing. Jake might be in town. That's fine. Training, golfing. So you know hey, you're gonna have look. to answer to Jake Dixon if you smack talk him on this podcast. Well, I'm, am I smack talking or am I t actually talking? No, that's I'm. You're not. Am, no, am I you're giving just, you facts? I'm just, saying, I'm just saying you better be careful. That's I'm all. I'm, I'm just giving you a warning. Listen, you always tell me my job. What do you, what do you always warning, tell me? What do you always tell me my job is? Just to, to call it like you see it. Yeah, say, because say there's the times I'm stuff. in the podium and I'm like, oh man, was I too harsh? And Greg's like, listen, man, your job is to call it like you see it. That's your job. Yep. I'm like, yep, you're right. Well, so I'm saying that Dixon seems to crash a lot. That's all. I'm no, saying. I know that. I'm just. I was just kidding. Okay, you're just all busting my balls. Is, I got you. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. My phone's ringing. Yeah, it's Freddie uh -huh. Spencer. He said you have a track limits warning. As, in terms of <laughs> great. Jake I'm on the green paint. 
Um, uh, green paint. Yeah, because that, that's great. The Cameron thing's confusing to me, too. Well, Cameron, he started off the weekend, I thought, pretty strong, right? He was like P6, then he went to P11, but he had a couple crashes. He said in his post on Instagram, because I'm not a child, on the Insta, that uh, he knocked his knocked his confidence quite a bit, and I understand that, and that's that's rough, you know, so... Hopefully Cam will rebound. You know, I, I know that from talking to him, if you remember last week in our two-hour podcast, Cam had said to me something like, hey, look, you know, this is a local track for a lot of people and they go really fast. And, you know, I'm sure that that was sitting in the back of his brain somewhere because he said it. But I'll go or prove that no, no Spaniard going to win this race this year. Yeah, but I don't think you could think like that. Like, No, you don't. Okay, you so got to go I'll in just there and just get say, everybody fire. Let's go. I'll just get everybody pissed off at me, I guess. Have you, raced, but it's have like... you ridden, have you ridden Jerez, by the way? I have not. I'm dying to. Looks so oh good. Oh my god, dude! That is one track I'd love to, absolutely love it. Dude, especially Cameron ended no up. Big, long Cameron ends up eleventh in Q. He ends up eleventh in Q1. Okay, he ends up eleventh. That's what I'm saying. In in, and he's almost yeah. a second back, which is it's Q1. But he was like P6. He was P6 after in, day one. I know. After the first after the first session, he was P6. I get it. I do. I'm just trying to. I'm I am not trying to be controversial. I'm trying to go like. What is going on right now? Because right, he goes 42-2 in the first session of the weekend, okay? In Q1, he went, hold on, drum roll please. He went 42-2. Now hold so, on a second. If you, I did watch that session. So if you watch that session, when they went out for their last stint, which would have been the when everybody started putting in the heaters in Q1 mm-hmm. or whatever it was, or what, he crashed. That wasn't wasn't Q one, yeah. It was. All right, but I'm saying the first session he goes forty two two of the weekend, yeah. FP one, yeah. and then goes forty two two in Q one, yeah. And he did tip off right at the end of that session, mm-hmm. maybe I don't remember. I can't remember. I just, he, had two, he had two crashes, I, but I look at this and I go, I, and I'm not pointing fingers. I'm asking, like you look at STK right now, okay? He went forty three two in the first qualifying session, but I'm going like, I. I have a hard time believing that SDK is a third to last to last place guy in any series in the world. No, he's not. He's but and he's he's learning. It's a I learning, he's learning. Year for him. I get it. I do. But Cam is where Cam is, and I and I know he's ran up at the front this year. Obviously, we saw him at Coda. He had a bike that he couldn't shift, and that's why you know he had his problems, and then and then he fell off at the end. Um, Portimao, he was right there. Portimao is the closest we've seen him at all, period. Without question, Portimao was the race where it's like, hey, he was right there. It's just such a shame that what happened happened. But then we go to the next race. This is a guy that's, he's seen the pace. He's done the pace. He's done, like, is there something where he's not, is he not getting comfortable? What What is he not being given that he needs to have? That's my question. I'm not blaming the team necessarily. I'm saying that, that what is missing? Because we talk about Cam every weekend and we kind of brush it over that he's learning. He's this and that. This guy is so good. He's so good. I, there's something missing though. Yeah, so I don't know what it you, is. It's up to you. I mean, I know, I know that me. they're making changes. It's up to you, you to know, tell me, you, <laughs> Oh, I told you they went from, you know, throttle by cable to throttle by wire, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that type of stuff. And he feels more connected with the bike. So, I mean, they're working hard on it. But there is something going on. And... um well, I've said this before. I just, and I know it's not warranted at this point. I think by most people, but Bobier just needs to be on a GP bike. He needs to be back 
on something that makes sense to him, something he can charge into the corner and use his riding style and something full of electronics that he's used to. And he can, he can tune and he can wrap his head around. And, you know, Cameron's biggest thing is he's a front end guy. And that was the big transition from when he went from factory Yamaha here in the States to Stamboli's team. Stamboli unlocked the potential of Cameron Bobier getting into the corner the way he wanted to. And he won 16 races, you know, because of that. And, I think that that's the biggest thing for him is that now I'm not saying it's an age thing because he is working on it. He is changing his riding style and all that kind of stuff. They did do a ton of testing at um, wherever they poured him out. And I think that that's part of the confidence that he had, you know, but do you think that, but in this class, in this class, G-Dub, if you are just a tiny bit off, you go from, from first to 18th, just like that, because you look at Augusta Fernandez. Okay. Yeah. Augusta, um, when you start to look at when you look at him and last year he was riding for Mark VDS. He was Sam Lowe's teammate. And weekend and week out, that guy was on the podium. He was always on the podium. Like that's what earned him the ride on the KTM team. And this year, I'm trying to think if he's been on the podium. I'm sure he has. I just can't remember. But you sit there and you go, What is missing for him? And yeah. then Acosta Acosta is the same. Acosta's teammates to Augusto Fernandez, and he is not even... I mean, we don't even talk about him. He crashed again early in this race, picked it up. He ended up 20th. Um, but the thing is, is it, it kind of goes to show that these riders are continuously searching for... And it could just be one little tiny thing. It, and this is the thing about Joe that I like, is that Joe ended up 8th here. But again, I still feel like if you talk to Joe, he'll tell you that there's just like one little thing missing somewhere that he's not feeling. And that is the difference in lap times. This is the hardest class. I think it's the hardest class right now, worldwide, to to be. I mean, this in Moto Three. Moto Three is just cutthroat. But <laughs> I just wish that yeah, we but could Moto Three is out. cutthroat. Moto Three is cutthroat because the bikes are close together. Correct. They create it's, a lot of racing, which slows which slows the leaders down. We saw it perfectly in this next race. We're going to talk about Moto Three. Yeah. So I agree yep. with you. Mo- Moto Two is the most difficult class to be fast week in and week out. And I I think Moto2, I have no evidence to prove this, but Moto2 feels to me that you have more front-running guys that crash out of Moto2 than they do in Moto3, and definitely in MotoGP. The Moto2 it, crash just seems so line. simple. Yeah, it's they so, seem so yeah. simple. Yeah, exactly. Like, you look at Jake Dixon even, and that guy has made a big step this year. And when it's good, it's good. But it's like... You know, again, it's the front end thing. You know, we saw him we saw him crash at Portimao when he had a big opportunity to win a race. He started on pole in that restart, crashes on the opening lap. Saw him crash this weekend at Jerez. Seen him crash at uh, Mandalika, you know, after leading. So, and it's always front end, and it just seems like there's such a fine line of whatever's missing. And when you get a guy like, like, like I mean, dude, look, even Vietti, Vietti had this great pace at the beginning of the year and he was up at the front. Now he's kind of the, I mean, he would have probably finished eighth or 10th in that race at Portimao had it not restarted because he was way far back Mm -hmm. when that happened. And he was lucky that he was that far back because he wasn't up in the front and didn't get caught out. So Vietti, you know, I I don't know. I'm spouting a little bit, but I'm saying that I just feel like Cam's missing something. 
I feel like SDK is obviously missing something a little bit, even though, you know, you look at SDK, all of his posts are, every one of them are positive and great, which is, which is good. But Vietti leads his championship by 19 points over your boy Agura, which is cool. I think Agura, again, another guy who's got that pace. Arbelino's third with Aaron Kinnett fourth. And then you got Joe Roberts right now in fifth place. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, Vietti, Vietti could be in trouble soon. Ayagura is on the way up. Vietti right now is stalled out. So a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit, yeah. But let's let's bit. go to let's go to the absolute. Just just such a great. I mean, what you got to watch it? Did you you got to watch? Oh it? yeah, Moto three. Right. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. I watched it and then I watched the last lap like ten more times. Because what a race, dude! I mean, who was so good? Yeah. You want me to go through the results? Or you want to do? Yeah, it? Gravaro ended up winning. I mean, like. I mean, both the gas gas bikes. Garcia, who somebody one one of the two of us in this podcast actually predicted Garcia to win the championship this year. I'm not gonna say who. Mm-hmm. Garcia ends up second. Masia and Anchu. So you had two teammates one two, two teammates three four. Uh, Artigas and, and Sasaki. My guy. See, Ayuma Sasaki is like my my guy. Like Agura was your guy, and for the strict reason, I just want the guy to win after what happened to him at uh, at Doha. Now, did you see Greg? That there is some controversy right now about the long lap penalties. No, I did no, not. No, they're not see really that. like they're not really penalties anymore. And and because because he had to start from the last row of the grid, Sasaki started from the last row of the grid, and he had a long lap penalty. And he finished. What did he finish behind him? He G-Dub? finished sixth, eight tenths of a eight tenths <laughs> of a. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, and and the problem is is with some of the long lap penalties. They're three and four seconds long, and some of the long lap penalties are like a second and a half long. So, yeah, that's a whole nother story, I guess. Toba ends up seventh. Uh, Yamanaka ends up eighth. Halgado and Marrera. Marrera, Diego Marrera has been, he's a Brazilian guy, a Brazilian kid. He's been riding really, really well. But he ended up six seconds back. Bertel Ogden, Scott Ogden from England, a lot of hype about him right now. Ortola, uh, Andre Migno. Way back in 14th and Napa 15th. Um, I mean, really, this came back down to the last lap. It did come to the last lap. Now, there was a there was a breakaway at the beginning. A couple guys got out front. There was a, a nice gap to the group behind. But then the lead group started to dice each other up. And this is when it really finally hit me in Moto3. Part mm-hmm. of the reason why we have such tight groups is because they just never stop attacking each other, which slows you down. And... That's why when when some person is able to not get attacked for one lap, we have seen people win by half a second or even a second occasionally. But Guevara, I believe, was on pole and had a good race and typical, got shuffled back, shuffled back. But last corner, last lap, Jason, the guy, it was a melee to get into that corner, and he went around the outside of everyone. He the did. outside of everyone. And what I thought was going to be impossible to hold on to the line on that bike, but he was able to do it and get a drive. And held everyone off, and I just thought, what an incredible, what an incredible win for Ethan. I mean, it was, it was so impressive to watch that group of riders, those top six riders, duke it out. It, it was awesome. I mean, there were a couple times when I was like, uh oh, you know, the heart in your throat, like, what's going to happen? Is something big going to happen? But ended up being pretty good. And, I think um, I do that in every Moto three race about ten times. Yeah, but like, uh oh, like. But it's just so fun. You know, to watch you know the only and, person yeah. I do it for right now that if you look at Guevara, uh, Garcia, Masia, Artigas, Sasaki, those guys, um, and even you got to throw in like um, 
like Dennis Foggia, when Foggia is in the mix, he ends up 18th place. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna have you talk about him in a minute, but yeah. yeah, you know, when you throw those guys in there, the only person right now that I kind of go like the commentators do is probably uh, is Anju. Uh-huh. I think I think <laughs> we're, that we're Dennis Anju alike. is a little on the ragged edge sometimes. I think he doesn't give a shit and just throws it in there. I think he's got the he comes from the school of uh, Kenan Safaglu. You know, obviously yep. his brother um, and top rack and that kind of stuff. So he's the only one that I look in there and just go, uh oh. Yeah, but Masi is a little bit like that too. So you got those two teammates that kind of, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll give you Masia. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Garcia's, yeah, leading that champ- Garcia's leading that championship by 19 points over Faggio, and you brought him up because he ended up finishing out of the points. And, you know, one of the things you got to love about him is he never gave up. He still stayed out there. Obviously, he had a problem. There's no way Dennis Faggio finishes back where he finishes. No, they showed a shots of him. He was shaking his head because, you know, <laughs> it was almost like he knew the camera was on him, you know. He's in the middle of that race going backwards. I think at that point he was probably in 16th. Just lost yep, the last I point. Remember. He's just shaking his head, you know. And I'm like, yeah, yep. he's got a problem. Greatest was after the race, they went into his pit box, and he was still in his leathers and helmet and everything else, and he's just got his hands in his head. And I thought, okay, great, dude. Listen, Fadia, you, you you were three positions away from scoring a point, but you finished, like you said, Jay. Never gave up. I mean, he stayed out. It's moto. It stayed out. It's moto three. How often is it that we have seen three or four riders with two laps to go? You yep. know, had that happened, it, he got himself into 15th it would have been a point for i mean tip of the cap to Foggia. you know even though he yep. didn't score a point i just got mad respect for the fact that he had every reason to pull in that thing looked like garbage when he was riding it it was like you know the, the hardest power or something yeah i agree with you and it did look like there was a loss of power didn't it because everybody was going by him down straights and the thing i think i looked at when i look at this thing with Foggia is there's a lot to be learned from it you and i had this discussion yesterday about staying out there because especially in Moto3 of all classes, you know, those guys can skittle themselves down the road with two, three, four laps to go or any point in the race. I mean, they really can. But Fazio stayed out. I think the hardest thing now mentally for him, Greg, even though we've got a lot of season left, like we keep saying that, but there's a lot of season. He was was really earmarked as the guy that was going to run away with this championship and win it relatively easy. And I think that when he walked off out into the distance in Indonesia in the second round of the year, People were like, well, there's the class that this guy shows. He's just that much better than everybody else by far. And I think that for that said, um, it's a bit of a shocker now. We're through six rounds and he's almost 20 points back. And and there is a psyche that goes about you when you when you go, well, I'm now I'm now a full race back, full race behind. There is something in the psyche of things that will send you a little bit sideways in that regard. And so, you know, a guy that was kind of the guy that was going to win the championship um, is 19 points back. Like I said, a lot of season to go. But Garcia right now looks so good and so in form and riding smart. Um, it, it's, your ma- it's by the way, your math is ass. Is it? Yeah, it's 21 it's points. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, it's 21 points then. Oh, it is 21 points. There you go. My, I told you at the beginning of the show. By the way, MotoGP yes. point standings. Make sure I get this right. Quattro's got a seven-point lead over Aleish. And Bastianini is third right now in the championship. So it's 89-82, 69 for Bastianini, 69 for Renz, who didn't score a point, which pretty All right, wild, let me go. It? I'm, I'm going to go back to GP for a second, then we're going to get on. Because yeah. Yeah. we're already at hour 15. i got to get on a plane in a couple hours. All right, I still have to edit this thing. So look. 
Nobody cares. What would be the bigger surprise this year? Quattararo re-winning this championship, winning it again, or Alicia Spargaro winning the championship? What would be the the way big? This that that's not even close. Aprilia wins the championship. That's the story of the last ten years, five years. If Aprilia wins it, you got to remember he's doing it essentially on his own. I mean, we don't really get to hear about Savadori and all these guys that are test riders on the side like we hear about Gintoli. I mean, relatively, we don't really hear about Crutchlow testing the Yamaha too much unless he's just not testing it and we don't know. But Aprilia, what they've done with Alace to get him comfortable on this bike and make that bike competitive at every race, that bike's good in the wet, it's good in the dry, it's good in the hot, it's good in the cold, it seems. I mean, right now they have built a bike that... If you'd have said three years ago that everybody would be looking for a possibility of getting on the Aprilia, everybody would have laughed at you. People were running away from that ride, and now it seems... So yeah, that's a pretty easy one. I think if Quattararo wins, everybody wouldn't be as surprised as if the Aprilia won. So there you go. All right. In uh, fantasy, by the way, Greg's Garage fantasy we have for MotoGP. Let's take a look at the results here because uh, I did not get a chance to get my picks in. And for some reason, I still climbed from like 100th to 91st. It's absolutely disastrous. But Fight Club is leading the way in our Greg's Garage pod with Jason Pridmore, where they get to win an Arai Corsair X of your choice. So Fight Club leads with 695.5 points and zero turbos left. Oh, Justin doesn't have any turbos left. Zero. Oh, now it's time. Now we can start drafting. He's a big guy. Is Justin, so we'll be able to draft up to him pretty quickly, I think. Okay, and then three SMC champs in second place with two turbos left at 657. Woot Racing with two turbos left at 636. Risky Biz Racing, one turbo left in fourth. Uh, Slow to Stoked, I guess is how you say that, in fifth place. I do have to say, though, as we look at Wera 516 in the mix, I have to tip of the cap to an archery guy, DJ30. My boy, Dan Yazza, he turboed Quart. A lot of people thought Quart was going to win this one like you did, Jay. He turboed Quart, so he's got two left. But he worked his way all the way up to 11th place. And his points yep. haul was was pretty darn good. 139 points he was able to score. It was slow to stoked, 148 and a half points, dude. Wow. No, sorry. Dan Yazza, 145 and a half. 145 Jesus. and a half. So in the, yeah, exactly. And so those two guys... Slow Stoked or Slow to Stoked and Yaza were like the highest point scorers by far in the top twenty. I mean, you know, basically of our entire pool. So yeah, that's that's you a can ton actually, of points. I stink. Yeah. G Dub, I stink because I got shit riders and I don't have enough yeah. budget to buy anybody. I've I've learned something from this this year that's going to help me, I think, moving forward into next year. So we'll see. Because this year I just stink. And <laughs> I do, I stink. And and I will say this, in Uncle Skip's MotoGP fantasy that I've been slaying, I had Rins this week. I got zero points. That sucked. But I'm still yeah. doing yeah. okay in that one. But the pulp, our, our, um, the pulp, I always want to say pulp, our, our MotoGP fantasy, it's, uh, I'm in a bad spot because I, I can't afford to get other guys on my team. It's almost like I'm going to have to take a, a huge pay cut on my manufacturer to get a couple of good riders in there because I my yeah I'm just kind of well t- tip tip of the cap for the people that run MotoGP fantasy for balancing it out the way it it's is really with good the money because I have a question most though. people I've talked to are suffering like they're like I just need I need this manufacturer but I have this rider and I'm screwed okay but here's the thing 
Here's what I don't understand. Generally, if you look at the prices of riders after each, you know, like they've already got the prices up for Le Mans, okay? I looked it up yesterday. And if a rider wins, his value goes up, correct? Uh, if a rider does yes. well, his value goes up. If a rider does yeah. shit, his value goes down. Correct. They upped, they up wins like two or 300,000 going into Le Mans. And the guy finished 19th. So, anyways, very confusing. <laughs> MotoGP's like. Jason's dying for Rins. Dying. I mean, dude, Mir just dropped 200K. He's now Rins. under under 4 million. Dude, I, just, I don't know what it is about Rins. I don't know. I, I just love how he rides. I think he's a cool cat. I, I don't know, man. Like I love him too, but not as much as I like Mir for some reason. I like that? Mir too. Those just are they're solid point haulers. Let's talk about the Supercross at Denver. Uh, a champion is crowned. Jason Anderson has won three straight. So it's kind of a what could have been for Kawasaki this year. And I think that there's a couple guys this year, Greg, that have learned some big lessons in uh, in Supercross this year. And that is, like, riding aggressive is fine. Taking yourself out of championships because you're riding aggressive isn't fine. And Jason Anderson was the guy this year that could have really challenged Tomac and taken this to the last race. But there were too many mistakes early. Too much over-aggressive riding, putting him on the deck, pissing people off. I love Jason Anderson's like one of my favorite guys too, by the way. I love watching him go, and I'm super pumped he's on Cowie. You know, AC's got to be sitting at home. Adam Cincerillo's got to be sitting home wondering about what could have been. I think the outdoor is going to be fun to watch, but Supercross is essentially over now. They've got one round left. Tomek has had a knee injury and has been a little bit off pace. The The... I don't think he's going to ride this next week in Denver or in, uh, in Salt Lake. I think he's going to take that off. Um, who ended up second and third? Was it Sexton and Stewart? Malcolm. Malcolm was second. Marvin Muskan was in third. Was third. That's right. Sexton crashed again, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But again, do you, do, you, do you look at Sexton and think he can win? Do you think he's going to be right there the next year? I mean, I have, no, I have no, nothing to indicate to me that Chase Sexton is going to be a consistent points scorer. But there are a lot of indicators coming from inside that paddock that Chase Sexton has something that's really magical on a motorcycle. It's just a matter of him, I don't know. Putting you know, it together. I, I wanted, yeah, putting it together, calm down, like yep. whatever it is. So I don't know. Jury's out. The jury is still out for me with Chase Sexton. But there are some I'll, riders that, that have said that his the way he rides a motorcycle and the way he does stuff is impactful as James Stewart when he came in and created the Bubba Scrub. Like that he's got, he's got that much <laughs> talent somewhere me, along yeah. the line. There's two things about Chase Sexton that are going to make him a champion to me. You want to know if those are G-Dub? I think I number sure one, do. number one, he's got raw speed. There's actually three things. Number two, he's young, so he's got enough time to 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 figure this out. And number three, he's resilient to accidents. This guy's had a couple of really big crashes this year. He's always lining up the following week, which is you know, I know that there's been a couple. I think he's missed one or two this year, but for the most part, a couple of the accidents that he has had. Um, everybody's built differently. Everybody's bodies are built differently, but a couple of the incidents that he has had have been huge and he always finds a way to kind of get himself back. Doesn't he only, he only missed Salt Lake city this year. That's it. We haven't been there yet. Dope. No, Seattle. Sorry. Seattle. He only (laughs) didn't, he only didn't score points. The only race he hasn't scored a point at is in Seattle. Was he, I haven't scored a point at Seattle this year either. Sorry, Salt Lake, Seattle. Salt Lake, rather. I couldn't even joke right. Anyways. No, you, yeah. you said it right. I was just, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I got you. 
And so what? We're what three about weeks, what about three weeks what about the pulp? Season? How are you doing in that? Did you pull Pulp's it up? A I have joke, it up. dude. Pulp, for, I missed last week. Remember, because I was in the middle of of hosting my archery tournament, and it was another early race, and I yep. never got a chance to do it. You know, it's one thing if you're shooting it; it's a whole other thing when you're actually putting the dang thing on. And then you know, it was great. I mean, we had we had enough people out there that were participating and having fun, and but there were a lot of questions and stuff too. So yeah, it was pretty. Well, it was pretty sad for me. You, you took a little bit of a beating from Chuck because, you know, I mean, let's be fair. Chuck, Skip, me, we've all managed to figure out a way to get a team in even when we haven't been, you know, in a spot to actually get our stuff done. I don't even done. want to hear it. I was hosting and, a tournament. There were hundreds of thousands of people that were uh-huh. attending. Yeah, it's probably 10 ish. guys there. Hucklebuck Racing right now, Greg, is Check the guy to beat, and he's got a pretty big lead. 39-26, 3,926 points. To PM 140 at 38.77. So is it doable? Absolutely. The way the way this is, it's doable. But Hucklebuck Racing right now looks like he's going to win our championship. It does because Hucklebuck would have to basically yeah. not put in a team next week, I think, to lose it. Yeah, but weird stuff can happen. You know, if PM 140 gets both points, of the FFLs. 51. Yeah. You know, 50, it can happen. points is doable, definitely. It could happen. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm 25th. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm top 25 out of, what, 300 and something that we got? Well, the best thing is is that Uncle Skip's in eighth place and not going to be winning this thing and not getting himself an Arai helmet, which is fine. But the better the better story in all of this is is beat JP43 in 15th place. I know. It sucks. Yeah. I see you beat JP43. It's okay. I appreciate the fact that you're, that you're coming after me. I mean, and Masshole's right ahead of you, too. So, Yeah, I got to beat Masshole. I already have to deal with one of those every week. So I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've, I, it's been pretty cool having everybody jump in on this with us this year and, and do it. I, where's Chuck? Am I, I'm beating Chuck, right? Can we wrap this oh, podcast up? Oh, he's right up? behind me. get on 30th. an airplane, for the love of God. Yeah, this I is good pack, stuff. I got to pack my bow. We got to do all kinds of stuff. All right, uh, everybody. There is. I don't think that there's anything. I don't think there's, there's anything this next week. No this racing week. next week. No racing this weekend. So Amazing. Amazing. We will come up with something to talk about next week. Um, of course we will. We'll, uh, we'll, we're going to keep our eyes get a ears guest. open. We'll get, we'll get a guest on next week. What do you want to I'll start about? searching. I know, I know of a few guys that we could get on. Um, Somebody new. Let's get somebody new. We'll figure it out. How about that? We'll okay. figure it out. And uh, I'll make Hold a couple on, calls. Valentino, get Rossi on here. Really boost our, our downloads. Yeah. Might get up to five people. Do you think? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyways. Just reach out to Alish on social media. Maybe we get Alish. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening again to us. And uh, if you have any questions, if you have any ideas, thoughts, anything you want to hear or see, let us know. We'll try to get back. You can hit me and Greg on our social media stuff. And um, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.